0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Raj Patta and I'm a minister in the United Stockport Circuit of the Methodist Church and each week I am joined by a guest from different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. Today, I am very delighted and pleased to introduce a dear friend, Reverend Dr. Peniel Rajkumar. After serving the World Council of Churches as the program executive for nine years, Peniel Rajkumar joined the Anglican Anglican Mission Agency USPG as Global Theologian. And I also had the privilege of knowing him from our student days. So it is such a delight to have Peniel with us. A warm welcome, Peniel. Peniel is also a renowned dalit theologian exploring faith and spirituality and theology from the context of the dalit situations so a very warm welcome to you peniel uh, to this uh, politics in the pulpit podcast uh, i mean so to start peniel politics in the pulpit i wonder what that means for you maybe you could tell tell us about a little about yourself whether you see yourself as a pulpit politician or pulpit political practitioner, and what does that mean for you?
1: Okay, thank you, thank you, Bharat. First of all, for this invitation, and uh, and it's a, it's a delight to be here. When I uh, think about uh, politics in the pulpit, uh, what I see the pulpit to be is um, as a fusion of contexts. So we bring several contexts to the pulpit. One is my own context, uh, to which I'll come in a short while. The other is also the context of the congregation um, that we will be uh, sharing the worship with. But also what mediates between these two contexts is also the scriptures in some ways, the context, um, the scriptures and the perspectives um, that uh, we will bring in our interpretation of the scripture. So I see polit- uh, pulpit uh, to be a fusion of these different contexts. And definitely there in this mediation between these contexts, there is politics in different forms. However we name it, there is politics which comes in. And I am someone who is strongly um, in favor of a political message going from the pulpit. Because that is what the prophets and the preachers in the biblical tradition always did. Their message always had politics at the heart of it. And if you want Mm -hmm. to know a little bit more about me and where I come from, uh, uh, I call myself a feet first theologian. um, And that is because I was born feet first. Um, I was born with my feet uh, first. And that has also been the way in which my shape, uh, my theology and my ministry has been shaped. Um, I am a Dalit theologian. And for those who are familiar with the Indian caste context, uh, Dalits are people who are often trampled by the oppression of the caste societies, uh, the caste communities. And therefore, the metaphor of the feet being one where we see the world and interpret the world upside down is something that marks me as a theologian. At the same time, the last nine years of my life, I was doing uh, interreligious dialogue, which is about accompanying communities on the ground in their quest towards justice and peace. Mm-hmm. And therefore this metaphor of the feet uh, is something that that signifies my context. Um,
0: yeah, that, that's profound Peniel. And uh, I, I'm really glad you brought this metaphor of feet and to look things upside down for the quest for justice. So from your context to our listeners, what would you want us to hear as some key justice issues or political events from your, your own perspective?
1: I think uh, given that the context of this, probably this uh, uh, this podcast is also Racial Justice Sunday, um, uh, the questions of race have resurged in a new way which means that uh, in some ways, though some of us may not be affected directly by um, by the question of race, there is no denying that there is some level of complicity with this question. And what I think is important at a time such as this is to focus on these issues of complicity around race, which are often hidden and also often silent.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the silence around questions of race is something that I find to be pertinent um, and Mm. and something that needs to be lifted up at this time. And I would think that that is something that may be uh, useful for this context.
0: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Piniel. Each week, I ask our Joint Public Issues team colleagues for a little roundup with their expertise on what they might think that we need to keep an eye in the world this week. So some of the suggestions that I received from our colleagues are, as you have already mentioned. Uh, The 13th of February, churches in the UK are observing it as Racial Justice Sunday. And we have the churches together in Britain and Ireland have collected some great resources on their website. And also this week, about the cost of living, really high up on the agenda. And it seems that the support will miss those on the lowest incomes, many of whom just don't have the financial resources to cope. So those churches with food banks and support centres, might see this more acutely. So this will put more pressure on already those in debt. And we also have continued fallout from Partygate, Sue Gray Report, Matt Poli's investigation. There have been some unkind and untrue remarks this week in the House of Commons. How might this look different with a politics that is more kind and truth? And how concerned should we be about the standard of our political conversation and the behavior of our leaders? And then leveling up white paper was released last week the government's plan to improve outcomes in 12 key areas across the country by 2030 but with no new funding and will this be successful we'll have to wait and see then tensions continue on the ukraine russia border with the us sending extra troops to eastern europe winter olympics are underway Many nations are taking a diplomatic boycott of the games in protest to the China's human rights, abuses particularly the Uguer Muslims. And last week, Amnesty International declared the situation of Israel as apartheid against Palestinians, a significant and highly uh, co- discussing uh, this controversial move. So there is so much happening across the world. And as you have rightly pointed with the issues of race, particularly for for the Racial Justice Sunday this week. Uh, With all of this in hand, as you know, metaphorical usage, we we open up the newspapers on one hand and then open our scriptures and try to see how do we bring in the relevance of the text into our context. So I wonder if there was any particular passage or particular theme or question that has jumped out for you this week that you would like us to start with.
1: Uh, Definitely, um, Bharat, uh, looking at um, all that you mentioned uh, today, the broad canvas that we have drawn of political histories, I think one of the things, one of the words that spring out to me is the word power. Mm. How is it that we can engage prophetically and truthfully with the question of power, especially when it is at its abusive worst? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We all know that at the heart of many of the problems that are uh, that you mentioned is the question of how we engage with power, mm-hmm. and in some ways our texts speak to that, uh, not probably in the most direct way, but in an indirect way, and mm-hmm. that would be something that I would um, like to for, uh, uh, reflect upon. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, which is really helpful, I think. Uh, unless power is interrogated and how, unless we name it, and then understand the situation, we cannot move forward, be it in our text or context. So I think that will help us to take to our uh, the passage from the Old Testament, from the book of Jeremiah. I mean, generally at our chaplaincy, every time after reading a, a passage, generally we end, this is the word of the Lord. But when I work at the chaplaincy, every time we ra- read a text, we have asked, how is this the word of the Lord? So maybe that is how I want to start with. So how is this, the, the text from Jeremiah or Luke and passage or 1 Corinthians 15 or Psalm 1, how is this the word of the Lord for you in our context today?
1: Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good... Uh, you put it really well uh, asking at the end of each passage, how is this the word of the Lord? Uh, hmm. I I think... For me, especially the Jeremiah and the and, and, and the and the passage from the Psalms, which is the optional reading for Psalms one. Um, these two become the word of the Lord because of that tone of judgment, mm. there is this strong prophetic sense of judgment which clearly says that something is wrong. Mm. And I think one of the one of the biggest challenges. Uh, In uh, among faith communities is the politics of politeness Mm. where in the politics of diplomacy we want to be nice to everybody uh, that we actually hide behind questions of justice Mm. in this quest to be polite and these passages that we read especially the one from uh, um, Jeremiah if you Mm. see after thus says the Lord the Mm. first word we see is cursed Mm. And then the next passage begins with the word blessed. Mm. So this clear cut, very often we say that um, questions of justice are um, not often questions of black and white. Um, Mm. There is a lot of gray in it. Um, But actually, if you think about it, a lot of questions relating to justice, to racial justice, to colonialism and all, all that there is a lot more clarity than we, we wish it to be. And therefore calling out injustice, calling out racism and saying that this is something over which we are zero tolerant mm. is something I think these passages bring out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is important. Calling calling out and naming the, the, the evil in the room and particularly in this context for our times is issues of racism. And Prophet Jeremiah is trying to bring out that we need to trust the, trust in the Lord. And mm-hmm. in that trust in the Lord, he's, he's giving us a, a new ecosystem where with this new fruit, I mean, balancing again with someone. 1. So what is your take on this new ecosystem that the prophet envisions? Again, in his times when they were in the exile. Uh,
1: the, it, it, yeah, I like the way in which you describe it as being a, uh, an ecosystem. Um, if I think about it in Mm. terms of being um, an ecosystem. I I think the theological architecture uh, of this passage, I find that to be quite fascinating. Um, Mm. Very often when we hear the word flesh or mere mortals, there is this uh, tendency within Christian circles to think only in terms of privatized sin, sin that happens in the private flesh. Mm. Um, Whereas here, the question of trust in mere mortals uh, and um, making mere mm. flesh their strength uh, is actually something mm. that is put as being antithetical to whatever is from God. So, mm. and, and when we look at it in such a broad way, it is about putting our trust in structures of power, in structures of uh, self, d- depending on the self, on what, on one's own authority. And in the same way, and when we look at the other side of this uh, biblical passages the biblical passage about blessed are those who trust in the lord whose trust is in the lord hmm. this is about people who are at the receiving end of marginalization in some ways for whom they have become so suspicious of hmm. power they have become so suspicious of anything else that the only thing that they can put the trust in is god hmm. so um so uh, to see this context also in the light of the bigger issues of suspicion and trust in powers and structures which are constantly failed people mm. uh, uh, who are who are marginalized um, uh, is something that i think this uh, passage um mm. uh, throws light on and their strength comes mm. from being planted by the waters mm. the waters of justice uh, that we find also in other eighth century prophets mm. um
0: yeah, no, I mean profound opinion, which is important. If we really trust in the Lord, our trust is in the Lord and not in the structures and in the powers. I mean, it is as clear as the prophet is crying out. I mean, I, I also liked as uh, the verse 10 where in Jeremiah chapter 17, the prophet says, I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart. And, and then uh, I, to give to according to the fruits of their doings. I mean, there is this dichotomy of mind, heart and actions. I mean, or so what I was thinking is like most times you have spent time in searching the heart. And as you said, those privatized matters. But I think through the prophet Jeremiah, he's saying the Lord is testing the mind and also searching the heart. And it is about the doings, the actions. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we bring all of these together? Yes,
1: um, this is good. Uh, let, me, let me talk about this in terms of um, the dialogue of the head, the transformation mm-hmm. of the mind, the yeah. change in perspective that is needed at this time, the dialogue between the head, the heart and the hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we need, first of all, is a radically new mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some ways, the Luke and passage provides that. Uh, yeah. It goes against the grain of the world. Uh, Mm. And it says things which are counterintuitive, but let's not get into that. So we need the transformation of the mind. And that transformation of the mind often lacks the will, the political will to put it in action, which is uh, when we talk of the will, let us think of it as will uh, symbolizing the heart. Mm. So uh, and sometimes people have know what is right, but they do not have the moral courage Mm. uh, to put that into action. And therefore, this passage connects the head, the heart and the hands in a way in which our actions, our thinking Mm. and what we hold close to our hearts, our values, will be uh, something which will be transformative.
0: Mm. Now, I think so drawing it for our listeners as this Sunday is the Racial Justice Sunday. What do you think is the relevance of searching, testing the mind, searching the heart and the fruits of the actions for today, you think?
1: I think, first of all, um, one thing that we need to be thinking of is the question of honesty. Hmm. How honest are we with some of these questions of power, complicity, um, the way in uh, the marginalization of particular people? And to what extent are we intentional in our commitment to live out the politics of Jesus, which is the politics of justice? Right. um How, how to what extent are uh, we able to tran- translate uh, love into the politics of justice, which transform the structures in which we are implicated? Um, mm. And that is something for us to think about, um, yeah. Yeah. embodying the politics of Jesus as disciples of Jesus.
0: Mm. I think which, which then takes us to the gospel reading, uh, Peniel, which, as you said, in terms of the politics of Jesus, here Jesus is talking about loving and loving beyond the boundaries that we have always done—love your enemy and things like that. So, how how do you how do you unpack this politics of offering others other cheek in the context of again justice for our times today?
1: there have been um there have been different ways in which this passage has been understood um, right some people um, uh, have followed the gandhian approach uh, which uh, in some ways has romanticized the turning the other cheek as being this commitment to non-violence mm-hmm. as being the only form of resistance whereas uh, some people have also interpreted in a different way as being that sort of resistance and defiance of the uh, oppressor that refuses to, in in some ways, refuses to be um, victimized by the politics of the oppressor uh, in some ways, where we we turn the other cheek, we refuse to become part of the oppressor's politics of trying to put you uh, into shame or into indignity. Mm. And therefore, we do that as an act of uh, defiance um, uh, in a in a way which will in a way which will make the oppressor to question their motives to question their actions um, so and, and to understand that and also to given the context that this is a, a look this look and passage uh, comes just after the Beatitudes, again, uh, this follows the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke and has its own political significance. Uh, One thing I'm reminded is that this is, uh, there is this particular politics of the uh, uh, Beatitudes that we need to follow. And someone uh, beautifully put it that we are in a context of the anti-Beatitudes, where blessed are no longer the poor, blessed are the rich, blessed are no longer the meek, but blessed are the powerful. And in this world, there is no point in hunger, in being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, but actually compromising with injustices and unrighteousness may be the key. But Mm. what Jesus teaches us is this counterintuitive politics where we become a community of the Beatitudes Mm. um, and show that that unrighteousness and injustice will not have the final say. Mm-hmm. and how we can stay hungry in our quest for justice.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think you have, you have put it really well uh, in terms of understanding the politics of Jesus for our times. I mean, the, the churches together in Britain and Ireland for the Racial Justice Sunday has given this theme, what's it got to do with me? So understanding Jesus' politics as antithetical to the, co- the context of the empire and to the dominant popular perspectives so what's it got to do with me? You think? With us. Because...
1: Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to use the use the phrase "charity begins from home" uh, uh, because I do not uh, agree with the word "charity." May not be the most um, uh, prophetic of words, but I think, um, in some ways, being the change that we want to see in the world. Mm. Then, means that it has to start from us Mm. and if we are not convinced of what we think is right and if we are not acting on what we think is right then we cannot hope the world to change Mm. in many ways we acknowledge that we are living in a uh, in a state of global disorder
0: Mm.
1: and uh, to just go along with the flow Mm. without interrupting it might might be really tragic Um, uh, and in some ways we are called to become the spokes in the wheel of injustice uh, Mm. which continues to crush many people to the to death and destruction each day how can Mm. we become that spoke in the wheel of in on in the wheel of injustice by doing things which are counterintuitive which Mm. may not follow the logic of the world is is something that i think is uh, important for us to bear in mind
0: Mm -hmm. yeah uh, thank you Peniel. i think again in this text in luke again this month february is the month of love where people are trying to articulate understandings of love and jesus speaks about love i mean to the extent of it is okay, it is easy for you to love those who love you but he goes on to draw i mean widen the widen the boundaries love your enemies do good and lend uh, expect nothing in return so what, what is your take on this politics of Jesus' love?
1: Um, yes, I um, we live in a world um, in, which, which has in some ways, um, romanticized the golden rule, do to others as you uh, would like to be done to you. Mm. And this logic of mutual reciprocity probably is not the best way forward um because mm. we need much more uh, we especially people who are on the other side of power on the on the uh, on the positive side of power people who have more power mm. have to embody and embrace a different ethic where they have to give more than what they receive mm. um, Whereas probably people who are at the receiving end of injustice, uh, if I may put it that way, uh, probably deserve to gain more than what they gave to the system, uh, uh, which, which is built on their exploitation. So therefore, I think when, um, when we think of um, uh, when we think of this um, passage, uh, it is not just about do good to the other so that good will be done to you. Uh, we need to get out of that uh, logic of mutual reciprocity, uh, which tells us uh, in in an indirect way, where to stop. Um, Yeah. You stop uh, at the extent to which you have uh, received. Mm. Uh, Rather, we need to think about how we can go beyond what we have received or in some ways, what uh, the other has lost. Mm. Um, And I think there lies the potential of this uh, passage and in many ways jesus politics is also that um, mm. it is not just about uh, doing good to those who do good to you but actually doing good to those who do not do good to you mm. um, and what and for people who are the margins this means actually winning the souls of those people who have oppressed them for years by teaching them the parts of right, uh, injustice, uh, mm. by, by parts of justice, by mm. holding them accountable mm. so that they can be saved from this current logic of exploitation that they are implicated in.
0: Mm. Yeah. No, thanks, Peniel. I think you have said it really well. I, I also see that when in verse 36 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. I mean, I have always thought in the churches if you preach God's judgment and God is judgmental. Every Everyone is up on their toes and they're okay. They're happy with such a message. But when we say God is merciful, he receives anyone and everyone, people are again uh, at discomfort. So how, how do we understand? Because uh, this kinds of judgment and mercy, and you already already said previously, mercy is not just politics of convenience or uh, what do you call politeness, niceness? Mm-hmm.
1: Let, uh, let me let me um, quickly uh, recount. I, I think you were with me, Bharat, when we went to Kandamal uh, in Orissa. Um, uh, let me recount an experience from that visit. Um, this uh, we were we were visiting a refugee camp of uh, of Dalit Christians who had um, who were displaced from the uh, villages because of the um, Violence from upper caste uh, communities, and I met with somebody at that refugee camp uh, who, uh, and I asked him what he felt towards those people who had burnt his house, killed his relatives, and they had, uh, and had virtually made them refugees in their own land. And this is what he said: He said that um, in the same way that uh, Saul was converted and made into Paul, he hoped that one day these people may be. Converted from people who persecute others into somebody mm. who would follow it. And, and um, at that moment, I, I did not think that this was about somebody becoming a Christian. Mm. Rather, this was a statement about the refusal to dehumanize somebody who had oppressed me. Mm. And that was what I heard uh, in that encounter. There was this refusal to dehumanize someone who had killed me, who had burnt, mm. uh, who killed my relatives, burnt my house and that is probably how mercy looks like and forgiveness looks like that despite having been at the end uh, at the receiving end of injustice and violence you refuse to dehumanize your oppressor mm. but you see a spark of hope there for for transformation mm. a transformation probably understood in terms of your own logic of how transformation looks like but mm. then there is definitely some indication that the oppressor there is still some hope left in the one who has oppressed me and i do not need Mm -hmm. to reciprocate in violence um that was the message i had and that is what um that stuck to me as being a good example of what mercy looks like um Mm -hmm. in in conditions of victimization and violence
0: Mm -hmm. i mean just for the sake of our listeners the 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 example you're saying is about the violence that took place in the year 2007 2008 when Mm -hmm. uh uh, dalit christians in a place in orissa in the eastern part of india they were uh, their houses were attacked and there was violence in the name of caste and it was pro- projected as a religious violence but from that experience what peniel was saying is how people whose house has been victimized and he is offering mercy as uh, to see change in his oppressor rather than cursing the oppressor but he is hoping to see a change in those who have uh, oppressed or victimized victimized them so i think that really takes us to the 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 epistle which is from the first corinthians peniel ch- chapter 15 where paul is speaking about uh, the hope of resurrection and so h- how do you understand the politics of jesus's resurrection
1: the politics of resurrection probably can be understood uh, in terms of the faith affirmation of the early Christian communities uh, mm. who said that, uh, who looked at the powers that be at that time, the empire of that time, and then said, you put Jesus to death, but God raised him from the dead. Yeah. So, And then called Jesus Christ, the Lord, against the rulers of the empire, against the emperors of the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where the potential of the resurrection uh, comes up, where we see faith uh, communities uh, at the margins standing up and speaking the truth Mm -hmm. to the powers that be. And then saying, you put Jesus to death, but God, who is higher in powers than you, raised him. From the dead. Mm. And in many ways, the resurrection story is also the, the is also the source of hope for many of our communities uh, who refuse to believe that either death or deprivation or discrimination will have the last say in their lives. Though it is an everyday reality, they mm. refuse to believe that this is this will have the last say in their lives. Uh, and what pulls them along is mm. that hope that the God who rose from the dead in Jesus Christ is the one who will always be work in their lives, even in the midst of death, even in the midst of deprivation, even in the midst of discrimination. Mm. And that is the potential that I see for um, uh, for Christians uh, or communities at the margins. That Mm. that is the potential of the resurrection pointing Mm. towards hope as being not just something that is at the end of our journey, but hope as being the journey itself, each step Mm. of the
0: way. Mm. Yeah, profound Daniel. I was also thinking like this resurrection is also about the bodily resurrection that Paul was Mm. talking to the church, early church, because most people believe, I mean, believe in resurrection, but they only think it was some kind of a spiritual resurrection. So what is that body politic of resurrection you think?
1: That's that that that's that's an important question uh, about it. The body politic of uh, resurrection uh, comes in the fact that um, the body, which was um, uh, which was a political body, uh, through the incarnation, Jesus uh, pitched his tent. And then we know that his death also, his bodily death, was also a political reality, given that he was uh, crucified outside the city gates mm-hmm. where he shared the, uh, shared the insult. Um, uh, therefore, this politics of the body continues in the resurrection, mm-hmm. where Jesus uh, comes to his disciples as one among them. Uh, as one who comes to them as flesh. But also uh, the fact that the bodily resurrection is not so much about the power of God, Mm. but it is about the unexpected ways in which God's power is made manifest. For example, uh, when we look at the resurrection narratives, we see that Jesus, the shape that Jesus takes, um, Jesus is mistaken for a gardener. Uh, uh, for, for a gardener, uh, by the, by the women who first encounter him in the garden, uh, uh, in the same way, even the two disciples on the road of Emmaus,
0: hmm.
1: they fail to recognize the identity of Jesus, and this again points to the way in which the bodily resurrect, the the the, the bodily resurrected Jesus is someone hmm. who constantly defies our expectations of how God should be and sometimes he is so much hidden this God is so much Jesus is so much hidden in the ordinariness of life like Mm. a gardener like a court traveler that we fail to see the divine in what is often also the marginal and that is the power of the resurrection Mm. it's hiddenness in what is ordinary and the unexpected Mm. Um, and that is what becomes a word of hope to communities who are at the margins.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, thank you Peniel. I think I was also thinking how Jesus' resurrection happens in the material body. Mm -hmm. And that materiality and on the margins is something very hopeful for communities who have been pushed onto exclusion across the world. Mm -hmm. So so, uh, thank you for sharing. And Paul uh, very succinctly says, I mean, if christ has not been raised your faith is futile and you are still in your in your own self so that becomes the core for our christian hope and christian faith and that really helps us to see god in jesus who who comes to us in the materiality of the world and we are called to look for that spirituality in that materiality including the body the body politics so which is which is really helpful for all of us uh, do you have anything to tell about Psalm One? I mean, just because this is the Psalm where we 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 speak about those who those who abide by the law and live by the law, and they will be uh, planted by the streams of water.
1: Yes, again, uh, what I like about Psalm One uh, is, uh, in some ways, the distinction that it makes. Uh, between what it calls the wicked uh, and those who abide in god's law i think in this context probably understanding god's law uh, in a much broader framework uh, looking at the whole narrative of this uh, scripture i think is probably in place and, and and therefore i think what strikes me about it is the psalmist's um uh, injunction for people to distance themselves um, effectively from all that makes for wickedness and injustice i'm mm. then saying that the the ways that are close to god's heart are the ways of justice the ways um, which follow the teachings um, uh, of of god um, yeah. and uh, that is something that i uh, that, uh, that is something that mm-hmm. i uh, like this distinction yeah. between wickedness and uh, righteousness
0: yeah yeah now i think you have put it really well that at the at the heart of the divine are issues of justice and peace and equality and that's where we are called towards that streams of justice where god is inviting us so thank you very much peniel for your sharing uh today and for this week helping us to reflect on these scriptural texts and look into the justice and politics issues maybe finally if uh, having now seen the justice issues within the scripture and in our context, are there ways that the grain of this scripture should shape how we preach it?
1: Indeed, uh, yes. Um, um, I think what we can. So, uh, uh, um, preaching uh, in some ways, I, I think preaching that takes into consideration the perspectives of people who continue to be marginalized uh, uh, but also from the perspectives of people who are not just at the receiving end of injustice but who are actually agents of justice in one way is something that will bring a new insight to these scriptures especially the scriptures uh the scripture portion from jeremiah uh, 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 and uh, the reading from psalms how would these scripture portions look like if they are uh, understood from the perspective of people uh, who are on the margins. I think having that perspective of the margins probably uh, works for all these three Um, uh, uh, text and especially also the question of forgiveness and what does forgiveness mean for those people who have been constantly at the receiving end of violence and uh, injustice is also a tricky thing so try and use the lens of marginalization as a as a means to read the text would be uh, would be really useful yeah
0: thank you thank you thank you very much Peniel for for coming on and for sharing your wisdom and reflecting with us uh, on these texts. And thanks to the rest of you who are joining us, uh, whether or, or how we should preach politics in the pulpit this week. Uh, I mean, every every week, uh, uh, Peniel, we, we, we ask our listeners to give us a question. And this week, we have a question from Hannah Brown on Facebook. And she's asking... It seems like this week's passages are about trusting God in challenging times and showing that through the way we interact with others, showing love to our enemy. So when we are trying to call out an injustice or harm in our campaigning, how can we best show our trust in God and love for others, even when we really disagree with someone or something?
1: That's a that's a really good question. I uh, The first word that comes to me is... Um respect. Mm -hmm. I think um, uh, uh, one of the challenges of disagreement is to see how we can learn the parts that lead to better disagreement. There will always be disagreements in uh, in human life, but then how do we learn to do it with integrity and with respect is probably um, at the heart of how um, justice takes the shape of love. Mm -hmm. Love not just uh, for those people uh, for whom we are advocates of justice, but love also for those people who are on the oppressive side of injustice. Um, How can this love take shape which refuses to dehumanize both the oppressed and the oppressor? And Mm -hmm. therefore, having that logic of respect is something that is key uh, Mm -hmm. in the way in which we live out our politics of love. Mm
0: Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Respect is a key word for all of us to move on. Uh, On a final note, Peniel, both of us come from a Dalit context, which again, in the Indian caste system, our ancestors and our families who have been uh, called ex-untouchables and pushed outside of it. So uh, as coming from that context of outcastedness, and if we have to offer as Dalit theological students from these texts, what would be three words that we want to reach out to the communities to say justice in the situation of caste system is a key for us.
1: Uh, um, uh, When I I speak about justice in the context of caste system, the three words that uh, come to me are uh, inclusion,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, truth-telling and humility so uh, those are three words that come to me
0: yeah no we, which which are which has a global relevance i mean I, as students of dalit theology that's what we bring from our context to say how inclusion is very key and how we fight all kinds of exclusions anywhere in the world and that power of truth telling sharing speaking truth to the powers and also humility based on justice humility with mutuality and which which is i think uh, calls for all of us uh, as a global relevance from our Dalit theological situation. So uh, many thanks Peniel for joining us on this episode and for sharing your thoughts and wisdom. We are really grateful to you and wishing you all the best in your in your future ministry and endeavors. So dear friends, if you have enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review, whether you listen to your podcast or share this episode with your friends. We know that our listeners are passionate and knowledgeable crowd, and we would love to build a community of mutual learning and encouragement around the podcast. So this series, we are asking for your questions ahead of each episode and to hear your thoughts afterwards. So the best place to join the conversation is on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on our Facebook community which can access through the Joint Public Issues team's Facebook page and their website, uh, jointpublicissues.org.uk. So the the question that we are asking this week from all these readings uh, uh, is what's it got to do with me in the context of injustice, in the context of uh, love? What's it got to do with me? And I think that's the theme of the Racial Justice Sunday uh, 2022, which the CPTBI has asked. So from all the texts, the question that we would want to leave is what's it got to do with me? And if you can reflect on that, and if you are willing to share, please do share uh, your answers and let us know your thoughts either on Twitter or on the Facebook. Uh, before, we went, before we end, uh, last week, I've already said the tickets for our Joint Public Issues Teams 2022 conference on the theme from the ground up, unearthing hope and seeking justice are is now available. The conference will be held on site uh, and also online. You can on the 11th of June, and please find out more, get your tickets at jointpublicissues.org.uk uh, slash uh, conference So let's go into both our politics and our pulpits with a prayer, and I want to conclude with a prayer written by from the Racial Justice Sundays uh, worship material on the CTVBI website. So let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, who crossed boundaries and borders, help us to love our neighbors and break down barriers in our communities. Wounded healer, who made blind eyes see and deaf ears hear, enable us to perceive the reality of racism, bigotry and racial injustice in ourselves and our society. Prince of Peace, inspire us to celebrate difference and reconcile division and help reimagine this world as a place where justice and peace, kiss and freedom abounds. Amen.